Okay, that's fantastic. Oh, what have yep, you done? Yep, I'm happy with that. Happy with that. Uh, so now we can just do this. That's not gonna. Oh, happen. that doesn't work. I'm in peak holiday mode as well. I'm wearing a tattered shirt that's and I have not shaved in several days. Authentic. Don't you worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's what you that's want right. for a podcast. Just a couple of dudes who are far better. Hey, Ooh. how about that? Oh, we'll control the volume of that slightly. Ah, yes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Three Views on Podcast with Michael, Paul, and Simon. Otherwise, we're going to have to find a point back in time to cut in because we were constantly just talking over that music. But let's go. That's fine. It's good. You haven't lost it, Lord. (laughs) You've still got it. Good, it's still there. Look, I've just posted to Instagram for the first time, like I say, for seven years. And I've got to say, fellas, it is good yeah. to be back. Good to see you, Michael. I feel like I feel Likewise. like uh, you might have just disappeared or been abducted or something, and I wouldn't have ever known. Well, there's this little thing called being a doctor, which is all-consuming. And are you, you're right. I just burned myself on the just, heater. We've got a heater <laughs> sitting right in front of our knees here, and I did burn my hand on it. So I'm probably okay. going to have to. We're going to have to deal with that notification bell as well, Michael. That's shocking. Oh yeah, sorry. Let me put the phone um, on. It's a bit much. You're right, though. I will agree with you already, Michael. Uh, it is, being a doctor is a little thing, as you said. It's no big deal. It's nothing. Nothing to brag about. Yeah. Um, being a teacher, however, that's a big thing. Uh, and that's something we're going oh, to get absolutely. to in season six of the Three He's... Views on podcast. And he is becoming more and more constant in his bragging about the teaching. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes its way into sermons. An unbelievably powerful profession, apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> and Simon, I hear that you have been frozen in time since we last recorded an episode and have done absolutely nothing. Is that, is that right? Yeah. 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 I think that's right. I've. We've been recording a lot of podcasts. They haven't been published. Yeah, we, Simon we, keeps forgetting to plug the microphones in. So we've, I don't know how many thousand no, man hours no. we've spent in Simon's garage. Yeah. But uh, really have nothing to show for it, except for season six of the Three Views on podcast, which we're one episode deep. Tragically, we couldn't get you last time, Lawsy. That's fine. I um, was fast asleep after... That's completely fair. Um, but seriously, if you do want to know what's been happening... Um, Go watch the previous episode, episode one. Yeah, it was good. And, and when I say watch, I mean listen. Yep. You can watch two. No. Can people watch? Not the first one. Is that one. a thing not we the do first now? One. This, is, this video is okay. being recorded, so we could potentially publish it. Yep. No. We're a podcast. There's a not reason a we've all gravitated to podcasts and radio. Yeah. We don't, we don't have the faces <laughs> for TV. That's what it is. Yeah. We just don't got, have got the a face for radio, yeah. as they say. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Great. Well, Paul, why don't you tell us what, what are we going to talk about today? What's the well, topic Well, I of think today? last time, if, if you've been listening along, in episode one of season six, Simon really did blow our mind uh, when it comes to reimagining what it looks like to be a missionary. Um, he, he, Simon himself, was explaining how he's a, a long-term cross-cultural church planter um, and going to somewhere in Central Asia was your designation, wasn't it, Simon? Yeah. Um, and, and discussing how that is actually incredibly different to what the average Christian would be doing in Australia, even though we all call what we do living on mission, uh, we would all say we're living on mission. Actually, uh, Simon was sort of arguing for a different category almost, because what he's doing and what we're doing are so different that to try and stretch the same word over two activities 
um, would be to detrimental make, to yeah, both sides. It's to make the definition so elastic that it oh, doesn't yeah. actually do anything. Um, and so what I want to do, um, having established kind of what a missionary is um, in the first podcast, I really want to hear from Simon and have a discussion with you as well, Michael, about um, ways that you know ways that churches can support missionaries well and ways they can do it badly. Um, mm. So that's what mm. I'm really right. keen to talk about today, fellas. Yeah, so sending a monthly or a yearly gift of 50 bucks is that is that enough i think that's the plan isn't it individually that's what my church or does. individually or, or as a church just no no church. just on behalf <laughs> of the church with our Shoot with our love and prayer with actual love year. That's, with actual that's, love I mean, and prayer what, or a note that says love and prayer <laughs> no, no a note that sure. says that. half of it was spent yeah, on the stamps yeah. to get the note over <laughs> um and you have to yeah. exchange it of course in central asia yeah, I tell yeah, you what though, my, my grandparents were missionaries, yeah. so they went over to Fiji when they were first born, no, when they were first married, um, they went over to Fiji, and, mm-hmm. and the absolute blowout of it is, and I thought this was great, um, people would send them, so people would send them their tea bags, which they had already used once, and say, here, yeah. have a crack at these tea bags yeah. because they've still got some life. Like, oh. rather than themselves using oh. the tea bags twice <laughs> and sending a f- couple of fresh ones to the Fiji, oh, what they did is they used them all once. They all they sucked oh, the best boy. juice out of the lemon and ginger oh, tea wow. themselves. Oh, and then, no. yeah, and then they would say, here, have a crack at these. We've already, we've oh, already had a big bags. bite. We didn't want to throw them in the bin, so they're yours It's now. unbelievable. So... That I don't know. I mean, look, probably good intentions there, but there are some ways that people can support missionaries, I guess, which would leave you feeling pretty secondhand as someone who's given up everything and, and mm. gone off to Fiji. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, what's your experience? What have, what, have, what have you felt actually being on the other side? Um, you haven't look, been on the other side. Most people are great. Yeah, yeah look. That's, that's sort of mostly true. That's <laughs> mostly true, but you get a pretty good inkling. Uh, especially if you move away to do training um, or move away mm. at some point during the training, as we did. And, um, yeah, fortunately, uh, we have a really great bunch of friends, a really good church that's really on board and has been actively involved with supporting missionaries really well for a long time. So that makes a big difference to us. But um, we've also met a lot of missionaries and heard a lot of pretty mm. average average stories um there's the tea bag is still exists no <laughs> um no not not, not no. physically but as a metaphor <laughs> um yeah okay yeah, yeah that, okay. <laughs> it's still sort of there's still an element of that um uh yeah that people are much more critical of the way that missionaries spend their time and money than they are of the way that they spend their own time and money or anyone else in the church spends their time and money. And to, to an extent, mm. it completely makes sense uh, because you're supported by the church, right? Um, but in another sense, it makes absolutely no difference because it's all it all belongs to God and you've all got to be responsible to God. Like, you've got to report to God, basically. You've got to have a clear conscience yourself um and functionally the money that comes from you that comes to me versus the money that comes from your boss that goes to you is all belongs to god so um yeah it's interesting um that's that's probably Mm. the biggest one is um the just lifestyle choices which 
are generally linked to finance that people tend to, you know, raise an eyebrow or ask a question that they would never ask another human being in polite society. Um, (laughs) And that's where my brother, David, um, he's a good dude. He's gone off to SMBC, Sydney Missionary and Bible College. Um, but he, before he left, bought a block of land. And this is to illustrate your point, Simon, which is that people put themselves, uh, or they put missionaries and ministry workers in really different categories, oh, strangely yeah. enough. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because this guy talks to Davo and he sort of pulls him up almost in the, in the sense where he's sort of earnestly worried for Davo's faith. He Whoa. said, I hear you've bought a block of land. And Davo goes, yeah, we bought a block of land. Um, and... It, it, was a, it was a weirdly symmetrical conversation because then the guy goes, but God could call you anywhere. <laughs> and David said to this guy, and God could call you anywhere. <laughs> like, pe- God isn't only able to call people who... That's ju- yeah. just for missionaries. That's, that's the only category. Um, and so, yeah, we, yeah. We, we can scrutinize them far more heavily and yeah, reveal yeah. that we have um, got them in this strange category mm. um, and not do them any services by that. Not, we're almost extending them less grace. Yeah, yeah. Rather than the more grace, more time, mm. more understanding, we're extending them less grace, sadly. I think one of the great things mm. about um, the kind of church that we go to is that we don't have a full-time paid minister. And so they have always, like for 100 years, had excess money. And what do you do with it when you don't have paid staff? You give it to missionaries. And so they're sort of been a lot more invested in that space whereas i think other churches are maybe probably i I would use the word inexperienced um generally because there's been you know not many missionaries going out like on a per church basis for the last 50 years or you know 30 years and Mm. even like it just gets it's dropping off right um and so you get these people who are used to paying a full-time wage to someone uh as part of the church budget then a missionary comes along and they're sort of, you know, collecting dribs and drabs from here and there. The, the church doesn't really know how to deal with that. Uh, like, are they all in or are, are they ours? Do we, like, give them an employment contract? Um, and I think that just muddies the waters a little bit, makes it a bit more confusing. What do you reckon, Paul? Yeah, I, I think that le- you just touched on it towards the end there, Simon. The uh, Like, for want of a better word, like patronage or ownership or employment, because if we have an elder at our church... Um, who then we pay full time, we set aside, or we call a minister and we pay. We have very, very clearly defined roles mm. because because churches have been doing that for ages. Yeah, um, we understand what that entails. With a missionary, it's a bit dicey um, because it's almost like you've, if you watch some cycling, you'll see these cyclists and they've got fifty different logos all over there. And yep. that's how some mm-hmm. missionaries, if they were to represent themselves Absolutely. like visibly with who's paying them, they'd have 80 different sponsors. And then you go, okay, well, how much ownership? Is it just the cash you want from us? Just cash and prayer? Do you want cash, prayer, and spiritual oversight? Because I think one of the ways, honestly, one of the ways that we could support you, Simon, mm. um, when I say we, I'm not talking on behalf of my church. I'm saying you need to be supported in this way is like really strict moral accountability. Mm. Because I know that that's been something in my life that has completely changed it. Like, front, I've got a group of dudes. We front up every fortnight. We've got a list of 10 things that we have to say. Did you do this? Did you do that? How are you going at leading your marriage? How is your diet and exercise? Uh, is your scripture reading going well? Are you meditating? All this sort of stuff. And I feel like one of the... You get this, what we call a diffusion of responsibility. Mm. We've got 50 people contributing to you, 50 organizations or churches or whatever. Yeah. 
So who would you be accountable to? That's the scary thing. So do you know, do you have a plan for that in place at the moment? Yeah, yeah, we've got all sorts of, I won't go into it, it's complicated, but there's a main church and a couple of secondary churches and a memorandum of understanding and designated roles and responsibilities and all that kind of thing, yeah. Does it actually, what I would be keen to see though, Simon, is does it have teeth on it? Because I was was, um, hearing about a local church planter, so someone in Tasmania, and they didn't go out as part of, say, the Presbyterian or the Reformed mob. So mm-hmm. they went IFEC, Independent Fellowship of Evangelical Churches. Yeah. And in, so instead of having a board of overseers or whatever, they just had this accountability group, Yeah. which, to my knowledge, three years in, still hasn't met. Oh. Like, you need, some, you need to have oh, wow. teeth on it. You oh, need yeah. to have teeth on it, is, yeah, what, yeah. is what I'd say there. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's, it's got regular times sort of scheduled in and all that kind of thing yeah and there's also i've noticed that some sending organizations do this much better than others obviously if you go out and do mission work on your own back there's i mean that's a good thing to do and is well worth investing time into but if you were to go with a group of people or an organization that takes sending missionaries seriously um they often have a lot of weight behind sending and I hear a lot of complaints from people about, oh, well, there's so much paperwork to get a missionary into wherever they're going. Oh, that takes five years to get them. They've got to go to Sydney and do this stupid <laughs> training. And what they, it's reading the Bible to people who have never heard the gospel. How hard can it be? Um, but, I mean, all of this is the stuff that underpins that. In an organisation that spent 50, 20, you know, hundreds yeah. of years sending people overseas, and they've seen this pattern of, you know, what is important to a missionary? It's more than just somebody to pay the bills when they get there and a couple of used tea bags. It's actually somebody who can phone them up, check in how they're going, provide resources, provide training, provide respite when they're, you know, 10 years down the track and completely burnt out. Someone to help them look after their kids. Someone to ensure that their children have access to good teaching and good training, both, you know, normal school and biblical yeah. school as well. All of that comes under the realms of what does it mean to send a missionary? And, I mean, I think we do do it all a, a disservice when we put it down to, okay, let's just send them some money and say, we'll pray for you. Totally. Totally. That would be my, yeah, so that would be my main fear. And I only fear that for you because I know how much in my own Christian life and my path towards increased maturity, like my friends have basically pummeled me into shape. Like, like, and the, and the Holy Spirit has used that, but it's been brute force. Mm. It's like when you see an old school, um, like, a, like a sculptor just, just chipping away. Mm. Um, that's really what my friends have done. That's the role. Like my parents did that in, to a degree that I probably couldn't even um, accurately estimate. Like they obviously did heaps of that in my formative years. But in the last decade, so from 20 to 30, it's just been people being like, pull your head in or that's good keep doing that or and if i if i went somewhere else i would desperately need to recreate that if Mm. i was to stay in a really healthy spiritual condition yeah yeah well i suppose one of the things is that it's uh it can actually be more intense on that front because you go in to work with some other families who you have nothing in common with (laughs) apart from your faith um, you know, from a different country, <clears throat> different culture. Um, maybe even they speak a different language. Maybe they're not English speakers. Maybe they're Germans or something like that. And so 
when you're all trying to work as a team, um, there's going to be a lot of that like friction. It's like, okay, you got to do this to make the team work kind of thing. Yeah, so that would... Oh, in most mission fields, you live in each other's pockets. Yeah, yeah, so... Time. So it's a very intense, very close, very personal, very intimate... Yeah, that's right. So you do have to do a lot of that uh, work on yourself or, you know, through other people telling you to pull your head in or yeah. keep doing that, that's good, that kind of thing. So, yeah. And that's also... Like, until you told me that you were going to a place where there were, like, your sending organisation has a group of people. Mm. Like, I think people's default assumption for missionaries is you're going out back and pitching a tent. <laughs> you know, it's just you. I don't think people think that anymore. You don't think so? No. I, okay. think, I think most missionaries going out these days are going to, like, Europe or America or South America to some town. Or they're doing some, like, <clears throat> community development thing in the Philippines or something like that. Um, generally living in, or Southeast Asia, you know, living in a town, there's markets, there's people, there's probably churches. They're pro- most people are probably going to a place where they're going to work with a church. Okay. So, so, so I'm not a about, representative sample. When then, we, like, yeah, that's yeah. right. So when you talk about unreached people groups... Um, Three percent of missionaries go to unreached people groups. Would your place where you're going would that be unreached? Totally. Yeah, they're all Muslim, and there's no church. Isn't there already Christians there? <laughs> a couple of hundred, maybe, in the whole country. Okay, okay. So it's yeah. not like because that's what I was yeah. talking about when I say pitching yeah. a tent. I didn't mean there's no one around. I meant there's no Christians at all. Yeah, yeah. A, so you would be part of a small nucleus there. There's some Christians, but. They're reaching a culture that has no other exposure except for that group. Yeah, and it also gospel. depends what you define as Christian. I mean, there's very, very few, and most of them could be Russian Orthodox. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Different kettle of fish mm. right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Well, look, here's what I think we should do. On the uh, the pipes, do we call them the pipes, or is that a Hamish and Andy? Thing? I can't remember. I, it's, it's been, been a while, while since what I've do listened. It's not ever. I can't listen to Hamish and Andy at all. <laughs> I can't do it because because there's not three of them. Well, well what happens is, and this is a insight into my own. They've slowly this merged is, um, three. My own sort of egotistical brain. They took that idea from um, us, by the way. Mm. I Absolutely. I listen to like whenever whenever I'm in the car, I'll flick on say the local news, CFM or whatever, and they'll have the talk show mm-hmm. and i listen I, I like i don't listen to it i listen to news radio but i can i can listen to that talk show because i go i could do that easily <laughs> like i'm better th- i'm better at that <laughs> than you are um, here we go look oh, we've, we've put the label on the three people podcast oh, and man. it's taking off everyone switching from two to three the thing about the, the thing about <laughs> hamish and andy though i listen to them and i go there is no way I could do that. Yeah. There is absolutely yeah. no way, and it destroys <laughs> me. I go like, I, if I had if I had a thousand eternities in a room on my own, I could not come up with that joke. Yeah, and they just thought of it off the cuff. Yeah, so it, it, it just destroys yes. my soul, man. Listening to those, guys. They're, they're too good. Oh, look, it's just part of the life you live. It's part of the life you live. If you were in that space, like, so picture your life. You know, five years ago we yeah. stuck to the radio thing. Yeah, well, who knows? I was watching that Lego Masters the other night. And Hamish is uh, Hamish and Andy are both amazing just by themselves. But I think Hamish is just comedic wise, he's just a little bit more up there, um, a little bit higher than Andy. And Hamish uh, had this they had this challenge where they were they were getting random songs to pick, and they had to build a Lego model so that a mystery guest coming in 
would guess what the song title was. And Lucinda said to me, she's like, Hamish would know like every song. We were talking about, you know, because they, yeah, because oh, yeah, he was on radio for so long. So he was coming up with all these alternate, going up to the contestants saying, hey, have you thought that maybe the person could think that it's this song or this song or this song? And we're like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Too he did, good, he man. did. He did make up one song to really scare, and a whole bunch of lyrics to scare yeah, one of the contestants. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so much experience, knowledge. Can I ask can you? This, a... Can this not be a drool fest over Hamish and Andy anymore? Can we stop? No, I hate those guys. Okay, I've just right, said, is, I'm not drooling, man. Don't worry. <laughs> Look, I'll, I'll, so what you should do is you should go to either our Facebook or our Twitter or Instagram. They are the only yep. things that we have. We do have a website. Yep. Does that still exist, Simon? Oh, yeah. Is it still up there? Oh, yeah. I, th- I think, I think oh, you, I think so you one of those pay for it, Michael. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh, do I? Cool. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> That's what that line item in the budget is. Oh, there we go. Um, go there and um, pop a little comment as to what would you think would be the most helpful thing if you were going into another culture and trying to reach people for Christ. What would be the most important thing that you would find helpful? Um, and um, we'll collect those things together and submit them to Simon Sending Church and um, list them as demands. I think that's the way we, yeah, we go forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm in. Do we have time for one more question here, Simon? Uh, I reckon. Yep, um, I reckon. So, has to be a quick one. Look, let's make it a quickie. Um, so, there's going to be a certain acclimatisation process. Yeah. You're going to this place. Yeah. Um, in some ways, as we talked about in episode one of this season... In some ways, it's similar. There's a geographical similarity. There is a vast chasm between the cultures, mm. very different cultures. Mm. To what degree do you think your um, acclimatisation is going to be hurt by having Facebook or the internet mm. or being able to watch Lego Masters? <laughs> you know, not actually being able to... Well, not, not being able to, but not diving in fully because you've got these really quick... Um, accessible bites of your old culture there mm. in a way that really wouldn't have been there 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, yeah. It Practically, um, I haven't heard much talk about the, like the psychological sort of in and outness, which is interesting. And I suppose that's because, you know, we haven't got lots of um, psychologists hanging around. But um, I have heard a lot of the practical stuff. So... We, we know that um, if you start spending too much time uh, doing that, you become less productive in language learning. Um, so it's they, they've got these, uh, what would you call it, suggested amount of hours per week, like do 40 to 60 hours per week of language learning, and that keeps you in it enough to, um, to, to for that, for that re- uh, the, the the leisure time to be you know not detrimental to the language learning. Okay, yes. and that would be so. Immersive. When I say language learning, like go to the markets, yeah, yeah and yeah. try and so, communicate. So that forty to sixty hours includes prep time, lesson planning, time spent with instructional lessons with language helpers, as well as going out and just spending time in the community and learning stuff. So. So yeah, if you can maintain that number of hours, then the the leisure time of, you know, you know, hopping online or um, you know, watching TV shows or whatever, it's not going to be too much of a big problem. That's not to say that 
when you're having like bad uh, like homesickness, culture shock, whatever, that you should do that in your leisure time. That might be a bad idea. It should, and you know, that's something that um, hopefully the people that are looking out for you on the sending organisation and your home church are keeping tabs on. <laughs> you know, probing questions, that kind of thing. Massively, yeah. Yeah, massively. Yeah, so. I could see that being quite tricky because it's totally it's very accessible and mm. I'm sure it would give you a short-term high. Yeah, so I've, yeah, that's right. So I've heard stories of people spending too much time and then being, you know, completely taken away from, you know, just not spending enough time doing culture and language acquisition. And so, yeah, we'll wait and see. You can give me a call every month, Paul. You can say, Simon, get the heck off Facebook. Yeah, man. I saw you liked eight of my posts this week. <laughs> Just stop it. Oh, that has been a problem you. recently. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I guess, I guess <laughs> I wouldn't trust myself. As someone who has had to have a pretty strict barrier between mm. me and my online world, yeah. lest it get too much, I would, I would be very... And I think you're wired differently in some ways to me. You're, you do get fixated on things, yes, but on other things there's an element of moderation with you that I don't have that, I, I don't have to that degree. So I would be quite, I'd be more trusting of you than me, that's for sure. The other thing is I have a wife who's not on social media and is perfectly happy to like take my phone out of my hands. Oh yes. If I'm being. What a phenomenal woman. A little bit too phenomenal much. Phenomenal woman. Yeah, so that's good. Grand. Well, good discussion guys. Um, let's keep talking about this. Let's uh, we'll chase those comments up. Uh, and let's get that demands list to Simon's church uh, so they can send him off in the best way possible. Um, guys, it's been great having you along for episode two of season six, the reunion of the three views on podcast. Keep living the dream. It's been real. <laughs>